When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. Uh, where do I begin? Uh, I'll begin with this. I'm, I'm recording this a, a little bit after 12 o'clock central time here in the United States. So this clearly is all very subject to change. Everything I say here could change by the time I have this out to you guys at, at whatever point in the day that that is. Uh, but I liked it the way that it was put actually in an article over on Zero Hedge, uh, written by uh, Doug Cass. This is titled, When Two Black Swans Collide. That is what we're dealing with today. And, and I want to make today's podcast uh, a mixture of, of markets and coronavirus coverage. I mean, it's it's uh, this has been my bread and butter for a while now, I mean, on this podcast. But but really, the, the two black swans colliding, I think that's a great uh, description. And the first one is somewhat obvious. It's the coronavirus. The black swan for the market has thus far has been the coronavirus. And black swan, it has been. I mean, I've been talking about markets and, and the financial system and, and economies and, and why they're in this everything bubble, which appears to potentially be popping as I speak, uh, for years. You know, the, the latter half of 2016 was when I began. And, and since then, you know, plenty of interesting events, you know, since I first started really watching the markets back in the summer of 2016. I, granted, you know, I'm young. I'm not, I don't have the experience or the, the maybe wisdom of somebody that, that went through the 87 crash or the Lehman Brothers moment or 9-11, right, firsthand and watching the markets in those periods of time. But since 2016, right, we've had Brexit, we've had the Trump election, which was a huge moment. We had record low volatility, surprise, uh, followed by a, a massive move to the upside in volatility in the first quarter of 2018. In the last quarter of 2018, we had a pretty big move to the downside in, in stock markets, right? Um, in the second half of 2019, we had uh, this this crazy uh, quantitative easing and and short-term funding liquidity crisis in the repo markets, uh, which which was to some extent alleviated by the Fed's intervention. And yet, right now, what we're experiencing right now, I mean, kind of tops all of that. You had the black swan of the uh, coronavirus. I mean, the black swan, I mean, black swan by definition is basically something that people don't see coming. And I can say pretty definitively that I didn't see it coming prior to you know, mid-January, at some point in the mid or the second half of January, um, it, it wasn't on anyone's radar, right? Of all the things that could bring down the market, people had it pinned on corporate bonds, the, the fall of the dollar, the fall of the petrodollar, which we'll get to here in a second as well, um, you know, Deutsche Bank going under, uh, rising inflation, uh, you know, all, all these different potential things, and, and a pandemic was not generally on that list that was kind of the yeah that would be bad if it happened but it's not gonna probably happen and and it has right and it's it's brought down global growth expectations in a huge way and economic activity in in china and and south korea and and much of asia honestly uh eastern asia 
as well as many European countries, and to some extent already the United States, has suffered from this, and it's only going to get worse. As the uh, the head of the World Health Organization today said, paraphrasing, this is starting to look like it could be a global pandemic. Which is laughable. It would be laughable if it wasn't so tragic, if it wasn't so... Um, uh, rearward, rearward looking, as opposed to forward looking. We're, we're at the point now where we have, uh, obviously the huge outbreak in China, which we may never know the full numbers, the full extent of pretty major outbreaks in South Korea, Iran, in Italy. And only the South Korean one looks like it's anywhere near under control, massive quarantines in, in the other countries as well, by the way. And, and we're basically at 1,000-plus confirmed cases and, and unconfirmed hidden cases, probably much, much higher, in Spain, Germany, and France, and probably some other European countries soon to follow. The U.S. is going to be soon to follow, 1,000-plus. And then we have a whole bunch of countries that just don't have a whole lot of confirmed cases, but probably have thousands or tens of thousands under the surface because they're just not testing for it. Even In an even more egregious way, the United States is not testing for it. Almost more egregious. The difference is that we have the resources. They, in many cases, just don't. Um, that was a black swan. This is a black... But the other black swan that he's referring to here is, of course, in the uh, energy markets, the oil market. Uh, basically, the the background for this was the coronavirus, right? Falling oil prices because uh, because of the less demand for it. People aren't flying as much. They're not driving as much. They're not traveling. Less energy being used at, you know, uh, factories and and across the board, just less energy use, including oil. So, oil demand was already falling. But then, to to exacerbate the problem, uh, there's this OPEC Plus meeting to deal with this problem last week, and of course, as OPEC Plus generally does, they want to cut production. In order to you know stabilize the price of oil, Russia walks out, and and we know now. I mean, today they're saying Russia they can survive with twenty five dollar oil for years. Well, Russia walks out, and the rest of OPEC, most notably, I shouldn't say the rest of OPEC, but Saudi Arabia, their response to that on Saturday is, all right. Well, if you want to play it that way, if you don't want to cut production, then we're going to flood the market. So Saudi Arabia is raising production. Russia, as far as we know, is not cutting production. And the United States, which, by the way, is the largest oil producer in the world right now, crude oil, is pumping a record. They made a new record high in terms of how much they're producing last, I think, last week or the week prior. Right? And so what does that do to the price of oil? Eh, About a 20% drop over the weekend. Gap down, 20%. It was higher as I speak. You know, WTI and, and Brent are both down just shy of 20%. 19% and change. And and that is weighing on markets because what does that mean? Well, I mean, we kind of get the sense that Saudi Arabia and Russia might be looking to, to see who can outlast the other. A game of chicken, if you will. But what I can tell you is here in the United States, there's going to be one set of producers that will absolutely be demolished, crushed in this game. It's like if you're playing a game of chicken, you know, the game with two cars driving at each other and you know who's going to swerve first well regardless of who's going to swerve first um the united states is is our, our shale oil sector is 
just a person standing there. It's not even a vehicle, right? Um, about to get absolutely walloped by what's happening right now in the um, with the price of oil. I mean, they weren't, as some people have said, pointed out, a lot of these oil producers weren't cash flow positive at $50 a barrel, partly because of how much debt they have and, and how much it costs to service that debt. Uh, but as I said, they kept producing oil, record high numbers. Well, now oil's in the mid-30, you know, 33, WTI's at 33.22 as I speak, Brent's at 36.23. I mean, how do you make profits? You don't. You, and you don't even just record a loss. We're talking about defaults. We're talking about corporate debt being outright defaulted on. We're talking about entire companies just blowing up because this whole Ponzi scheme that has been shale oil for years now is blowing up in their faces. So that's the other black swan, right? This isn't great for any of the Middle Eastern countries, right? We saw the Kuwaiti stock market limit down. Um, this isn't great for, for the U.S. economy. Um, and, and as some have also pointed out, hey, we have oil, low oil prices, which, right, in theory should be great for the consumer. But guess what? The consumer is going to be consuming the least amount of petroleum products that they have in a long time now, or at least gas, because they're not going to be flying and they're not going to be driving as much as they used to because of the coronavirus, right? So again, before I get to the coronavirus, a little bit more review of the markets, they're being walloped. The U.S. stock market, as I speak, down over 1,600 points. In fact, we actually tripped the uh, um, circuit breakers. I forget if this is the Dow or the S&P or both uh, earlier in the day. But down 1,600 points. That's one of the worst days. Down over 6%. right? And that's on top of everything else that, that the stock market had suffered up to this point. I'll remind you, it was only a couple weeks ago that the stock market was north of 29,000. Right, twenty nine five hundred, right, and as I speak now, we're getting actually pretty close to twenty four thousand. In fact, it's been lower than twenty four thousand uh, relatively recently. That's a huge drop. But but you know what's even crazier than that is the drop that we've seen in the bond market. Not prices; prices have been going parabolic. The drop in yields. The U.S. ten year, as I speak, is yielding 0.515 percent. That's down almost 20 basis points today, you know, or in the last 24 hours. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, it's it's actually slightly higher than where it was, I think, overnight and early in the day where it was below half a percentage point, below 50 basis points. But that's that's tiny yield. I mean, that's a, such a high price on the U.S. bond market. That's such a bubble. And it's going to pop ultimately um, at some point. But but it shows just how much fear there is in markets, how much flight to safety there is. And speaking of flight to safety, we haven't really seen it in gold. I, I'm entirely convinced that today is one of those days in which... And you guys know I'm not always one to harp on this and jump on this excuse or whatever you want to call it. But I think gold and silver are being heavily manipulated today. Despite all of this, and yes, I get it, people are liquidating their positions, including gold, to make margin calls and whatnot, but gold is at 1620, or sorry, 1670, basically even. Hasn't really done a whole lot. You know, last night, uh, or yesterday, it was up around 1700. It's pulled back from that. And silver has, you know, I mean, as I speak, is, is around 17, just shy of $17 an ounce, right? So down quite a bit. 
and again it's whole based on the whole economic side of things and and because oil is moving down and copper is moving down and 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 i've sort of debunked that as being a huge component of, of the price of silver because the, the supply of silver is going to drop off actually quite a bit as well because of this decline in industrial demand which inevitably will probably occur because of the coronavirus but but on the financial side of things before i move on to the coronavirus side of things i mean we have to be thinking about systemic risk now to the financial system um and, and not just recession talk i'm talking bank failure uh, you know massive collapse of of financial institutions because of what's happening right here i mean you got to think that there's financial institutions that were already in a bad place deutsche bank i'm looking at you um, and, and this is put them in an even worse position because of, of, you know, where they were positioned prior to this drop. And finally, the coronavirus, which is, I don't know, for today, I guess, taking a backseat to all this, even though it's, it's sort of the catalyst for all, a lot of this, not the cause for this recession, but the catalyst cases continue to tick up. I mean, mainland China will ignore them, but South Korea, a rising case count but but seems that they have it under control or they're just totally being dishonest on the numbers italy does not have it under control they're they're doing their best to to try and and control it through quarantine measures um but as i speak they uh their confirmed cases according to bnonews.com is just shy of south korea over seven thousand, and and their deaths compared to south korea's 53 366 and iran is right behind them with Confirmed cases just over seven thousand as well. Not as many deaths, two hundred thirty-seven. But, but Iran's actually probably, I would I would guess their cases and their deaths are probably more than that of South Korea and Italy combined. They, it might be rivaling what China's dealing with. Their official numbers probably pale actually in comparison to to China's actual numbers. But as I said, France, Germany, both over a thousand. Spain, according to I think I said earlier, over a thousand. According to Bino News, they're not BinoNews.com, but I think they probably are. Germany has logged their first two deaths uh, as of today. France, 19. Spain, 25. United States, officially according to BinoNews.com, 55 or 551 cases, but uh, actually a lot more cases on the way that I think they have not been updated on quite yet. Mostly from New York, but but. As I said, I mean, these, these, and we can go down this list of the ones that are over 100, over 200, 500, whatever, but I mean, it's a lot of them are just going underported. They're not being caught whatsoever. And, and so, I mean, this is, we, we don't know what we're ultimately up against in terms of, of numbers at this point. But I would garner a guess of, you know, South Korea is probably pretty accurate, but it might be a multiple of two, maybe 15,000 cases, you know to account for maybe missed ones that, that were largely asymptomatic or mild symptoms. Italy might be in the same boat. Iran could be a magnitude of 10, right? Maybe even more than that. France, Germany, Spain, um, probably mid-thousands, maybe close to 10,000 in reality because they're just testing left and right and, and they're finding cases left and right. Uh, the United States, I think, is mid, mid-thousands, probably approaching 10,000 if it's not already there. Um, Japan, some have raised questions about Japan. Have they been not counting cases? And, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case because they want the Olympics to go on. So Japan, I think, is in the thousands. And, and you know, going down from there, plenty of European countries that are probably in the thousands that right now are logging low hundreds. But uh, but anyways, again, that dual black swan, that's what we're dealing with today. 
the systemic risk to the financial system is at its highest right now since the Lehman Brothers crisis, I think, here in the United States. And, and there's no indication that it's going to stop anytime soon. Expect Fed intervention. Expect U.S. government intervention probably by the end of the day, if not, you know, before I even publish this. But as always, I'd like to thank every one of my podcast listeners, my YouTube viewers, from the bottom of my heart for listening to today's podcast, and God bless.